Hello, and welcome to Nora Talks Horror. I'm your host, Nora Scally, and I'm here to talk to you about all things horror movies. Before we get into the first episode, I want to thank some people. First, my friend Sean Extran for designing the cover art. It is super well done and just the right homage to horror, so thank you. And next to my friend Justin Kate for producing the theme music. It is super spooky and I love it. So thank you both. I really, really appreciate it. So back to all things podcast. I started this because I've been passionate about the horror genre for the majority of my life. I've grown up watching these movies and reading scary stories and just really immersing myself in all things horror. I wanted to do something creative with my love for this genre and to be able to express my thoughts and opinions to a wider audience. So that is what I'm doing now. So the episodes will alternate in format each week. Uh, One week will most likely just be myself, solo, discussing and reviewing a horror movie. The next week will be a review with a friend of mine. My friend will be allowed to choose the movie and we will discuss it and get to share our thoughts and opinions. Some of my friends are very into horror and some are very much not into horror, so we will get a variety of perspectives and opinions on this thing. For my first episode, I decided to discuss The Witch. I wanted to challenge myself right out of the gate and watch something that's a bit of a non-traditional horror movie just to see what I could get out of it and see if I could talk about it. So here we go. The Witch came out in 2015 and it is Robert Eggers' directorial debut. It stars Anya Taylor-Joy, who's become a bit of a regular in the horror genre, Kate Dickey, and Ralph Innocent. It has an amazing cast, just right off the bat. You you should really know that. And it made $40 million against a $4 million budget, so pretty profitable for something that is advertised as a New England fairy tale. I want to start by saying also, I really enjoy this movie. I know a lot of people don't, but I really do. I think it is super beautiful, and it's all shot in natural light, and I think it pays off. There are some really amazing shots in this movie, and it takes place in the New England countryside. So the shots of nature in particular, in natural daylight, are super fantastic. This film centers around a Puritan family that immigrated to America in the 1630s. Didn't know it was the 1630s? Check that on Wikipedia. The family consists of Father William, wife Catherine, eldest daughter Thomason, son Caleb, twins Mercy and Jonas, and an infant son Samuel. So this movie begins with the father William getting into an argument with what can be assumed as to be the leaders of a community that he and his family live in. They, the director, Robert Eggers, really just establishes William as being a very prideful man and he is refusing to see eye to eye with the leaders of the community over a religious dispute. leading the the leaders to ask William and his family to leave the community. The family leaves in a horse-drawn carriage into the sunset and untamed New England wilderness with, with one of those amazing natural light shots I mentioned before. This movie gives off a very ominous feeling from the beginning with the music. It's made to sound like a witch coven doing some spooky singing, so I personally think it really hit the nail on the head with that one. The family finds a plot of land on the edge of a forest. They're essentially in a clearing, and they set up a cottage to begin their lives. But some tragedy strikes the family again in the form of the young baby Samuel getting taken. I think this is a really good scene. I think it's pretty scary. 
with Thomason playing peekaboo with Samuel at the edge of the forest. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy does some really great facial expression acting when she removes her hands from her face to yell boo and Samuel is gone. We, the audience, see Samuel being carried off by a woman in a red cape, kind of Red Riding Hood-esque, running through the woods and then cuts to a scene of a woman holding a knife to the child and then later we see the woman smearing blood on her body. So it's fair to assume that Samuel is dead at this point. The family doesn't know this, obviously, but they just assume he has been taken by a wolf. Obviously, it affects the family greatly. The mother, Kate, is constantly sobbing. The crops are failing. The prideful father, William, is very determined to succeed. And he admits to his son, Caleb, that he sold his wife, Kate's silver cup for a trap to catch rabbits and other small animals. Animals. And he did not have the permission of Kate to do this, and then he tells Caleb not to mention it to his mother. The young twins, Jonas and Mercy, spend a lot of time playing with a ram the family owns. His name is Black Philip, and he's a big deal. We just don't know that yet. We get to see more of the family dynamics at a dinner scene where Kate subtly, passive-aggressively blames Thomason for the loss of Samuel and also begins to very openly blame her for her missing silver cup. And William isn't taking the fall for that, so Thomason just kind of has to sit and suffer while her mother accuses her of all these things. I think these arguments between the family are very well written and especially well acted. It almost seems like an argument a family would have today, but this these conversations are all in old English and the stakes are a little bit higher because they are starving and losing children. One day, Thomason is washing clothes with Caleb at the river and Mercy is nearby playing, pretending to be a witch. Young Mercy then says that Black Philip, the ram, speaks to her and he told her that a witch took Samuel. Thomason then says that she is the witch of the wood and that she signed her name in the devil's book and that she is the one that took Samuel. It's this really great moment and it leaves the audience wondering if she's telling the truth or if she's simply trying to frighten her younger sister into behaving. You almost feel like mercy in the situation childish, afraid of your older sibling, unsure if they're simply chastising you or if they're telling you some terrifying truth. The family is struck with another tragedy after Thomas and Caleb go to check the animal traps out in the forest in the early hours of a dark morning. The two end up separated with Thomason falling off the family horse and being knocked unconscious upon landing. While she's knocked out, Caleb runs off, chasing after the family dog, Fowler. Just a warning, it sucks, but the dog dies in this movie. We see Fowler covered in blood and looks as though he's been stabbed. It sucks, it's terrible. It is by and large the worst part of this film. Caleb then comes across a hut in the woods. I think it's kind of Hobbit-esque, personally, you might agree. We see a beautiful woman stepping out of this hut, wearing a red cape, very similar to the 
one we saw fleeing with Samuel earlier on in the movie. Again, the young actor who plays Caleb looks absolutely terrified. It's another great use of facial acting. He looks as though he wants to turn away from this woman, just run, sprint, never look back. But he keeps moving towards her, like something is drawing him in, maybe bewitching him to walk towards her. She then passionately kisses Caleb, this kid who probably is maybe 12, 13, 14, kisses him, and I guess this is like a semi-jump scare where we see the woman grab the back of Caleb's head with her hand. Her hand is looking kind of grotesque, almost monstrous, and it looks old, like hundreds of years old. We don't see Caleb again until later, after Thomason is reunited with her family. Caleb's disappearance obviously starts more problems within the family and the mother, Kate, having more issues with Thomason. This leads to an argument and finally giving way to William confessing to Kate he stole and then sold her silver cup without her permission. At this point, tensions are super high in this cottage. Parents and children are not trusting each other and you can kind of see this family ripping apart at the seams. The family is also constantly stressing about how they are viewed by God. I haven't touched on it much, but they're obviously very religious. They're Puritans coming across to America. If you've taken any American history classes, you're aware of how important God and religion is to this group of people. Mother Kate, anyway, is convinced that they are completely cursed and damned while Father William believes that they are being tested and that they will be held in a higher favor by God if they can just make it through these trying times. So back to Caleb now. He returns late at night in a storm. He's completely naked and soaked by the rain and he's delusional. There are then some scenes of Kate cutting Caleb's forehead and draining blood from him. I'm not entirely sure of the purpose of this and I'm not gonna pretend I know the history of medicine in 1600s America. But my assumption is that this would be to reduce fever or what they then believe to be a way to reduce fever because I don't think that actually works. This, it, Caleb's return really becomes the climax of this movie and a whole lot happens. Mercy and Jonas start going nuts essentially while the family is trying to figure out what's wrong with Caleb. They immediately start accusing Thomason of being a witch they're doing a whole lot of little kids screaming about it, and it is a bit annoying, but it's accurate. Kids do shriek. Uh, they also again start mentioning how Black Phillip speaks to them. At this point, Catherine is overcome with stress and anxiety and fear about how they aren't being held in God's favor, that their family is cursed, and now she is believing that witchcraft is affecting their family. Back to Caleb starts acting all kinds of crazy. It seems like a possession or a curse or a bewitching of some kind. He locks his jaw and in a pretty disturbing scene, William puts his knife in the mouth of Caleb and kind of cuts it open almost to unclench it. Caleb then spits out an apple, which is a callback to earlier on in this movie. Uh, Caleb and Thomason discuss missing apples that they had back in England and that they haven't seen any since arriving in America. 
The family attempts to perform what is maybe the first Christian exorcism in the United States. They all decide to gather around Caleb and pray. They believe that this prayer, this communication with God, will free their son of his ailment or curse. While they're doing this, they realize Jonas and Mercy, the young twins, are not participating. The two start to claim that they cannot remember their prayers and that this is the cause of Thomason. Thomason is somehow bewitching them so that they can't remember how to pray. And then this is followed by them writhing around on the ground in pain, also again saying that Thomason is hurting them, though she is kneeling with her family, not making contact with them in any way. This is another scene meant to confuse the audience, to leave them guessing. You're supposed to be unsure if this is just the twins acting like the little kids that they are, playing make-believe, or you're also supposed to consider maybe Thomason is actually cursing them. Eventually, Caleb delivers this very, very powerful monologue about seeing God and feeling his love. His arms are outstretched to heaven at this point. While he's doing this, the the audience gets a full view of his cut-up body from his strange home medical treatment, and there's still blood on his mouth and chin from his mother's knife. It is really powerful and probably my favorite moment from this movie. Caleb then lies back down and dies almost immediately. This is when the family pretty much implodes. Thomason is vehemently denying that she is a witch and then accusing the twins themselves of making a deal with the devil, citing that the fact that that the kids themselves admitted to talking to a goat, which is pretty weird. So the father, William, does what any parent dealing with a possible satanic child would do and locks up all of his children in the barn outside. After doing this, William finally acknowledges his issues with pride and believes that his pride is the undoing of his family, that his sin caused all of this terrible stuff to happen. During the night, Kate envisions Caleb visiting her while holding baby Samuel. I'm assuming this hallucination was conjured up by witchcraft. Uh, They're not really there. Could also be a manifestation of grief in some way. Anyway, she, uh, she begins to breastfeed Samuel. And then we cut to this really frightening scene of Kate maniacally laughing while a raven perched on her arm bites her breast where she thinks she's breastfeeding her child, it's actually a raven pecking at her. In the barn, uh, Mercy and Jonas find an elderly woman feeding from the teat of one of the goats. It's a pretty frightening looking older woman. And this is the last we see of the twins. So this all happens in the night. And in the morning, William goes out to the barn to find it completely destroyed. The goats slaughtered, Thomason with blood on her hands. She's still alive, claiming that someone came flying in the night and did all this damage. And Mercy and Jonas, as I mentioned before, are nowhere in sight. William is then attacked by Black Philip, stabbed in the gut by his massive horns, and then he is rammed into a pile of wood where he dies. Kate 
comes outside, sees all this, and is now completely convinced Thomason is a witch. And she begins to attack her daughter. She's on top of her daughter, beating her, and Thomason is screaming, I love you. It's a pretty powerful and sad moment. Uh, it's another really well-acted scene as well, and it's just one of so, so many. And then Thomason sees a knife within uh, reaching distance of where she's being held on the ground. She grabs it and stabs her mother to death. She then walks into the cabin and sleeps until nightfall. When the night is dark, she returns to the barn and speaks with Black Philip, who offers her to live deliciously if she signs his book and follows his way. It's kind of assumed at this point that Black Philip is the manifestation of Lucifer, most likely, of the devil. Uh, he appears now uh, in the shadows as a man. It kind of reminds me of Captain Jack Sparrow. I'm probably alone in thinking that, but he's wearing some pretty snazzy boots. Pretty snazzy boots. Uh, they're leather, I think. They kind of remind me of something you'd swashbuckle in, if that is a word. So then after this, and she agrees to sign the book, we see Thomason naked with her pale skin illuminating against the dark while she walks into the forest beyond her family home with Black Philip now back in his animal form, following closely behind. She comes across a group of women by a large fire. They're all singing and dancing and chanting. I assume these group of women would now be considered her coven. Uh, they all then begin to levitate. They're flying up in the air. This is all happening underneath the scary music I had mentioned before earlier in the podcast. We then see Thomason's face as she begins to rise, laughing happily and pretty maniacally. And that is the ending of The Witch. I know this movie is pretty divisive between critics and horror fans, but I wanted to start with something a little bit more out there right off the bat. I chose it to review for the first episode because I think it's challenging, like I've mentioned before, and that it's divisive. And some people don't find it to be a true horror movie, which is fine. You're obviously entitled to your own opinion. I defend this movie because I think it creates a horror atmosphere with its lighting, its tone, and the actor's abilities to portray fear. It's advertised as a fairy tale or a folk tale, and I think it very much is that. If you like non-traditional horror, I think you're going to enjoy this movie. It, I think it could be considered a slow burner, but I think there's actually a lot happening. It's just not as dramatic or intense and momentous in a traditional sense. If I degrade the movie, I think I would give it a B plus. The acting, as I've mentioned numerous times, is super amazing. A whole ensemble of talented actors clearly dedicated to making this movie right and capturing what a life could be for early settlers, their fear of God, of starving, of losing their children, of falling into sin. It's all very real and there for Puritans in this time. I'm pretty into history and I like period pieces, so it's very up my alley. I think what keeps it from getting an A grade is, yeah, it's a folk tale and I understand that, but I think I would have liked to see some more witch imagery you know, with there's witches and sacrifices, there could have been some more bold, dramatic scenes. 
And there's also an entire forest that looms in the background of this film that I personally don't think was utilized to its fullest extent. You could have done some more scary scenes with it. But overall, it is a very, very good film. And that about sums up The Witch for me. So thank you for listening to the first episode of Nora Talks Horror. The next few weeks, I promise I will review more fun horror movies, ones that are more universally liked. I think next week I'm going to be discussing Don't Breathe with Carly Timpson, a friend of mine. So please follow my social media for updates on the podcast. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, they're both uh, Nora Scally, Nora, N-O-R-A, Scally, S-C-A-L-L-Y. Please subscribe, review on whatever you're listening whatever site you're listening to this on. If you have suggestions for a movie that you'd like me to review, feel free to email me at norahorror1313 at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. Please tune in next week.